Welcome to Final Girl Friday. My name is Molly, and I like scary movies. Now, I'm a little late to the game on this one, but I just finished watching Studio 666. This movie is so much fun. <laughs> I missed out on seeing this in the theater, and I'm kind of kicking myself for that now, but on the other hand, I think it was worth the wait. This being a first impressions review, I'll do my best to keep it spoiler-free. It'll probably be a little bit shorter than what I normally do, and I don't have any news or points of interest either. Well, except, okay, so before I jump into the movie, um, we've got to talk about Dream Widow. So Dream Widow is the fictional band that was created specifically for the film. And to coincide with the release of Studio 666, Dave Grohl cut a record under the name Dream Widow that was all metal, including the song Lacrimus de Ebrius, which is the song that they are trying to complete throughout the course of the film. I cannot wrap my head around the fact that this is Dave Grohl. Obviously, Lacrimus de Ebrius I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's definitely the showstopper of the album, but you have other tracks like Encino and The Sweet Abyss that just, I can't... <laughs> We all know how talented he is. He and the other members of Foo Fighters, they're very talented musicians. But this is like an, an entirely new level, especially considering that this was an album released to help promote a horror movie. I'm not someone who knows how to talk well about music. So I'm going to turn to Emperor Rhombus of Metalsucks.net, uh, who wrote an article entitled Dave Grohl's Dream Widow Album Might Be One of the Best Metal Releases of 2022. And in that article, Rhombus says, what's noticeable on Dream Widow is its sheer love of metal. I want to be a dick here. I want to roll my eyes and offer Dave Grohl the proverbial pat on the head and say that Dream Widow is a good metal album for people who don't like metal, but I can't. Dave Grohl set out to write a killer metal record and he pulled it off despite fronting a mainstream alt-rock band. The proof is in the pudding and goddamn, this is good fucking pudding. I love this entire review of the album. I think that it's just spot on. The full Dream Widow album is available for free on YouTube if you go to the Foo Fighters YouTube channel. I, I'm just, I, my brain has just been blown through the back of my skull. All right, on to the movie. Uh, oh, but first, if you're new to this podcast and you don't hate it, stay tuned until the end of this episode for information on Final Girl Friday elsewhere. And I guess I don't have to do my spoiler disclaimer because there will be no spoilers. Studio 666 was directed by B.J. McDonnell, based on a story by Dave Grohl, with a screenplay written by Jeff Bueller and Rebecca Hughes. It stars Foo Fighters, Dave, Taylor, Nate, Pat, Chris, and Rami, as well as Will Forte, Whitney Cummings, uh, Leslie Grossman, with cameo appearances from Lionel Richie uh, and John Carpenter, who, along with his son Cody, wrote the theme for the movie. It also features a small but fantastic role for uh, co-lead guitarist of Slayer, Carrie King. It's one of my favorite things in the movie. The film was released 
launched on February 25th of this year, and it is still currently available for purchase on Amazon. According to Dave Grohl, the idea for the film just sort of came to him one day, and he had envisioned that after the Foo Fighters cut their actual studio album, the guys would get together and go back to the house where they recorded that album and shoot like some sort of silly low-budget slashery thing. He hadn't originally intended for it to be a, like a full-length feature film. And so what we got is the story of Foo Fighters who trek out to this house, and it turns out that the house is haunted by demonic forces. Dealing with a severe case of musical writer's block, Dave Grohl finds himself wandering around the house, eventually stumbling upon an old reel-to-reel recorder in the basement. Clearly having never seen The Evil Dead, he plays the music that he discovers down there. And it turns out that this music, which was recorded in the 90s by a band called Dream Widow, is an unfinished bit of music. When Dave Grohl hears this music, he's like, yes, this is it. This is the sound that I've been looking for. But unfortunately, the demonic entities in the house have other plans for him. They possess him and compel him to finish the Dream Widow song for their own nefarious ends. What key is this in? L sharp. The two most common criticisms that I've been hearing about this film are that the story itself is a little underdeveloped and that the acting is not that great. But I I have to say, you don't go into a movie like Studio 666 expecting earth-shattering performances. If you do... I feel like you're watching the movie wrong. (laughs) Like, I mean, sure, most of the main cast had never really acted before, but as long as they were having a good time with what they were doing, I feel like that's all that really matters, you know? And in this case, everybody in the band seemed to be having such a great time making this movie, most especially, I think, Dave Grohl. Each one of these little nails is one of us. The yarn represents the vibrations of sound that our music makes. Connecting all of us in an unending form. It's like the universe. There's no beginnings, no end. I got such a huge kick out of him throughout the course of this movie. Watching him transform from this, you know, slightly exaggerated version of himself into the frustrated and desperate rock star and then into this demonic monster was just so much fun. The standout performances among the members of the band, first and foremost, Pat Smear was so endearing. I would say that out of all six of them, Pat's dialogue sounds kind of the least natural. For the first two thirds of the film, it felt like he was kind of struggling It did feel like he was just reading lines. But once shit hits the fan and Pat's job becomes scream your head off and run away, (laughs) he was, he stole the show. Scream Queen of the Year award should go to Pat Smear. I was also really impressed with Taylor Hawkins, who apparently improvised the majority of his lines. Uh, He claimed that he was too lazy to learn any of his lines, so he just kind of made it up as he went along, and it worked out really well. And then aside from the main cast, Leslie Grossman did an excellent job as Barb. Prior to this, I hadn't really seen her in anything other than as Eleanor's mother on The Good Place. It was really nice to see her in this. Whitney Cummings was hilarious. She lives next door to the haunted house, and there's a moment where Dave Grohl is talking with her over the fence, and he asks her about this mysterious figure that he had seen sort of skulking about the property, and her whole tone, which had up to that point been free spirit fun-loving, goofy neighbor, her whole tone changes. And as she reveals this ominous bit of information about the property, she just slowly drops down behind the fence like she's riding an elevator. It was fucking hilarious. The two side characters that really did the most for me were, um, were Carrie King. Another one of my favorite moments is when he's trying to figure out the positioning of Dave Grohl's snare drum. Every time Dave Grohl hits the drum, Carrie King winces in this, like, 
I'm sorry that I'm laughing so much. The movie is really funny. And then Will Forte as the delivery guy, which I mean, I'm a little biased. I absolutely love Will Forte. And I think he was the perfect choice for the delivery guy slash lead singer of the undiscovered gem bone structure. I'm seriously a huge fan. You're like my second favorite band after Coldplay. Personally, I, f I find that Will Forte's greatest strength as an actor, his forte, if you will, <clears throat> is talking to himself. And he does that a little bit in this. He's trying to like hype himself up to kind of muster the courage to give Dave Grohl his demo. He just keeps repeating to himself, you are a worthy and talented musician. <laughs> it's just, it's fabulous. So anyway, excellent performances across the board. Are any of them mind-blowingly realistic performances? No. This is a cheap slasher comedy about a band whose lead singer is possessed by a demon. Like, that. it's not. What more could you ask for than what we got? And I felt like the story was solid. You know, it's easy to follow. It doesn't stray too far from the point. It's not trying to do too much at once. The writers don't have the most experience, but Jeff Bueller did write the screenplays for uh, the remakes of Pet Cemetery and Midnight Me Train, as well as the segment J is for Jesus from ABC's of Death 2. There are a few instances where the humor doesn't quite land, and there's some banter between Dave and one of the other bad guys that goes on a little too long, and it's a little too awkward in a bad way, but for the most part, I think it works. Yeah, show this this record, it, it, it's gotta fucking blow your fucking dick right into your fucking mouth. Blow your own dick into your mouth? Yeah, right back up into your mouth, man. Like right you... back up into your mouth? Yeah. Like it's been there before? What kind of goal is that? The people around them who were helping them make this movie, you've got B.J. McDonald directing. I mentioned this a couple of episodes back. B.J. McDonald directed Slayer's Repentless Kilogy, which is one of the like bloodiest, goriest good times that I, I personally have ever had. There were also a few scenes that I felt were just beautifully shot. The cinematography was handled in part by Eric Leach, who also did cinematography for Repentless. I'm just going to keep bringing that up. Basically, if you were a fan of Repentless, you will enjoy Studio 666. <laughs> you also have Tony Gardner doing special effects makeup. Tony Gardner did the SFX makeup for Zombieland, Hellfest, as well as music videos for Slayer and Foo Fighters. And you have some fantastic kills. We've got decapitations, explosions, a really great chainsaw kill. You get to see Dave Grohl feeding body parts through a wood chipper, and one of the legs that he puts in there has a sock on it, and before he puts it into the wood chipper, he pulls the sock up, like straightens it out. <laughs> I think the best thing about the film visually, for me, uh, was the look of the demons. I was so impressed with how genuinely spooky the demons looked. Like, And this was not a very scary film, but there were a couple of moments with the demons that kind of got me a little bit. Like, I was a little spooked, especially when they were, you know, kind of fucking around in the background. It's somewhat reminiscent of Lipstick Face from Insidious, both toned down and kicked up a notch at the same time. I have no idea if that's a good explanation of them, but that's what it reminded me of. There are a couple of fun jump scares as well. Nothing too much. Just, just enough. There were some really fun action sequences. A wonderful score from Roy Mayorga. I also learned recently, Mayorga also wrote the song Martyr, for the soundtrack to Tromeo and Juliet back in 96. And that was one of the first trauma movies I ever saw. That really has nothing to do with anything. I just thought it was neat. This is my favorite room in the house. These are original Babette Fosters. You know, they stopped production on those in the 80s. I do love a good sconce. 
In their review of the film From the Spool, Gina Radcliffe describes Studio 666 as a charmingly goofy ode to the devil's music and goes on to say, with its demonic curses, haunted books bound in human skin, projectile vomiting, and a couple who stops in the middle of all the chaos to go have sex, Studio 666 isn't going out of its way to try anything new and original. But it's not difficult to appreciate its playful spirit and the clear love everyone involved has for occult horror, a genre that often suffers from self-seriousness. I think that that was just really well said and sums up the film quite nicely. I've also heard a few people complain that audiences only went to see this because it stars Foo Fighters, as if that were a valid argument against a film. There are a thousand reasons people decide to watch movies. I sat through Elfman, a straight-to-video family holiday movie about Wee Man becoming a Christmas superhero because Jeffrey Combs was in it, and I regret nothing. And the whole point of Studio 666 is that it's a movie about Foo Fighters, so slamming it for being a movie about the Foo Fighters, I, I mean, such is your right, but I don't, that, that particular argument doesn't really work for me. At no point did I get the impression that this was just a cash grab on the part of the band. I mean, it's a promotional tool, and it's a fucking effective one. And if you need further convincing, I've personally never bought a Foo Fighters album in my life, and I love this movie. The fact that the band in the film is a real band, and that this was Dave Grohl's kind of dream child, just adds significantly to the charm, I feel. In fact, in an interview on Jimmy Kimmel Live, Dave Grohl said that he's hoping, now that they've made Studio 666, that other bands will step forward and make their own movies. Rock and roll movies were so much fun in the 70s, so why not kind of pass it on? Weezer, rom-com. That would be fun. <laughs> okay. Uh, what, was what, was per- what was the Pearl Jam one? Uh, Pearl Jam, like World War II. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could, like, you could do this. I mean, we did this. I mean, obviously, this was a joke, but it just got me thinking, like the gears turning in my head, like if I could take any band and kind of build a film around them, who would it be and what would the movie be? I don't actually have an answer for that question yet, but I would really love to know if any of you out there listening, if you could take one band that you love and build a horror movie around them um, or any type of movie, who would it be? I would love to know. (laughs) All in all, I had a fantastic time watching Studio 666. I highly recommend it to anyone in the mood to have fun. Don't go in into it expecting the most masterful horror film you've ever seen. Just go into it for a good time. Try to have as much fun watching it as these guys seem to have had while making it, you know? Also, fun fact about Studio 666 that can also possibly provide some insight for me into why I love it so much, the word fuck and its derivatives are used 162 times in this movie, which averages out to about one and a half fucks per minute. So yeah, those were my initial thoughts on Studio 666. Have you seen the movie yet? If you have, I would love to hear your thoughts. Feel free to reach out to me on Slasher. My username is Final Girl Friday, Instagram at Molly Oblivion, or if you prefer old school correspondence, you can email me at finalgirlconfessions at gmail.com. Maybe check out my Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Final Girl Friday. There you can find my other review series, Frighten Early, where I review a variety of horror films on the fly as part of my morning routine. I don't post every day, but I do post a couple of reviews a week. Otherwise, I'm just really glad you guys are here and listening. I just want to mention again what an awesome job Taylor Hawkins did in this movie. My heart goes out to everyone who knew him. He seemed like an amazing guy. I remember I was 10 years old. It was the summer of 1982. I had a neighbor. He was a couple years older than me, but he had this drum set and I kept, I was trying to learn how to play guitar 
And it seemed too much like, like homework already, you know? And he said, just sit on the drums. And I just took to it immediately, and then I just fell in love with it.